Hey guys, real quick before we start the episode, I have a huge favor to ask. I've really been appreciating all of the rates and reviews on iTunes, and now I want to learn a little bit more about who you guys are. So in the episode notes, there's going to be a link to a quick survey just to let me know who's listening. Um, It should be really, really quick. And if you have a free minute to do it, I would really appreciate it. So yeah, again, that'll be in the show notes. And it's just to give me an idea of who's listening so that I can kind of make the show better for you guys. Thank you. Things are about to get a Hey guys, and welcome back to More Stupider. I'm your host, Caitlin Royce, and I'm here today to talk about Season 2, Episode 9. This episode was really crazy and made me mad at TLC for about a thousand reasons. And then I watched the 90 Day Fiancé live, and I got even madder for like a hundred more reasons. So... I'm excited to talk about it. I want to know what you guys think and if this stuff bothers you as much as it bothers me. (sighs) We'll we'll get there when we get there, guys. Don't worry. We've got a long way to go (laughs) before uh, we get there. Because I'm going to start with the boring people, I think. (laughs) And then gradually get to the real drama. (sighs) Okay, well... So speaking of starting with boring, I'm just going to get Marta and Dia out of the way. I do think I may have had a slight glitch with my notes um, because halfway through my Marta and Dia notes, I started talking about Rachel and John. So there's a chance that I deleted a scene of Marta and Dia on accident as I was typing. I didn't have time to go back and look for it, but I think the gist is just the same. I mean, I was thinking about it and I don't remember anything else happening. So if anything else happened, it couldn't have been too terribly important. Basically, Dia hasn't written the letter of invitation yet, and Marta's at the gym with her friend Tasha, and she says, me and Tasha, we go way back. We met at work. And everyone's upset that he hasn't sent the letter, and she says, part of me wants to continue, and part of me just wants to give up. And that's literally all I have. Uh, Dia hasn't sent a letter and isn't being communicative. Still don't care. Let's move on. <laughs> um, now we're on to Rachel and John. Rachel and the baby are headed to the airport because Rachel's going to go get married. Very sweet. Um, I noticed that the flight looked super bumpy. I don't know if it was just the camera wasn't steady, if it was like being handheld, but... The little baby, Lucy, was being so good on that plane. And if it was as turbulent as it looked, that is really saying a lot. She really is the sweetest baby in the world. So Rachel says she found out about something that has her really upset. And she says she's not going to confront him right away. So then they get there and Rachel gets off the plane and I noticed I think she's losing weight already like it doesn't matter I think she's beautiful but I think she's lost weight since the beginning of the season she looked really really good getting off the plane I thought 
She goes over. Of course, she starts making out with John. And this time, no, there were no bar. There was no barfing, no barf mouth. But this time, John decided to stare directly at her as they were making out. He was kissing her with his eyes wide open, staring at her. She had her eyes closed like a normal person. But it was anytime I see someone kiss someone with their eyes wide open like that, it just looks like they're trying to like eat them like a snake or like they're a dementor trying to suck out their soul. That's all that I can see. So yeah, I was disturbed again by their kissing. I don't know why they can't get it right. <laughs> um, John seems to have really loosened up since last time. His hair's like really long and he's acting extra goofy. It was super weird. And they're talking about the dinner that they're having with like 20 people, which is kind of a lot. And he said he invited girls because he didn't just want it to be a lad's night. So he invited some girls. And then Rachel immediately, like, her antenna goes up and she's like, what girls? Who? (laughs) Pretty much. And he's like, well, long story. I've invited an (laughs) ex-girlfriend. And Rachel is immediately super upset. She's like, I feel blindsided. But the thing is about this, I really think Rachel is mostly unreasonable, honestly. She doesn't get upset about any of the right things. She doesn't get upset that he has this, like, violent past or, you know, I don't know, any of the things that a normal person would get upset about, she doesn't get upset about. She gets upset about the fact that he invited his ex-girlfriend to this dinner. Now, Could he have talked to her about it first before inviting this girl? Absolutely. But in terms of her being worried about John being faithful, it makes no sense to me that she thinks that he's going to cheat on her with an ex-girlfriend that he's inviting to their engagement party. Like, I just don't think that sounds sketchy. Like, if if this were happening to me, I would want to know the story. I would want to know, like, how they were happened to be talking, you know, are they friends now? How long has it been since they dated? Because, you know, Dan Savage always says that it's a good thing if you can be friends with your exes. And I agree with that to a certain extent, as long as there's no like lingering feelings or you're just like putting this person on the back burner until you go back to them later on. But Once you've had a big enough gap after your relationship, I think it's totally fine to be friends. And the fact that he's inviting her to the engagement party, like I said, it's not like he's having some affair with her unless she's just the type of person who really doesn't care about cheating and is going to be comfortable going. I would think that if she was the other woman, that would be like a knife in her heart to go to his engagement party. So it just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know why she's so upset. And I wish that she were less petty. (laughs) Um, So then while they're still in the car, John freaks out on her when she's giving him directions. She says left. And then he's like, left or right? Just tell me there's a fucking bike there. And like screamed and got really upset all of a sudden. And I just, I just hate that kind of stuff. Like, you're going to survive. You can slow the car down if you don't know which way to go yet. And also she said left. So listen and double also like get Google Maps or something like stop yelling at your girlfriend in the car. 
ridiculous. I mean, I know driving can be stressful, but also he's driving in his own neighborhood, right? Again, why is John so confused about the layout of his own neighborhood? He picked her up from the airport and they were going back to his house, right? How was he lost? How did he not know where to turn? He did this before, too, when they were coming back and he was like, I think it's a left when they like when he picked her up at that station that he had her meet him at. Anyway, John is very geographically challenged, it seems. So now we're later on, we're in the same car ride and John is like, God, I'm so lucky to have you (laughs) right in the same car ride where he yelled at her and pissed her off about inviting his ex to the party. But they get to the cottage where they're staying and it's really, really cute. So I guess, yeah, they were going to an Airbnb or something. So that, I guess it makes sense that he wouldn't know how to get there, but not really because he's lived here for a long time and he should probably know how to get where he's going. So then she says... There's something that I actually want to talk to you about. And I feel like now that we're getting married would be the appropriate time to talk about it. Mm, I would maybe go talk about it before you get engaged so that you can determine whether or not you actually want to marry this guy. But Rachel and I are very different, as we've established. So yeah, she's decided that now that it's like a week before their wedding, she should bring up this giant deal breaker drama that she's apparently known about for a long, long time and has just been like sitting with. So she brings up like, there was an ongoing conversation between you and an ex-girlfriend. So we find out that John gave Rachel his passwords for social media Which is so freaking stupid because, as we've seen, Rachel is very insecure and very petty and she likes to blow things out of proportion, especially when it comes to other women. She's, like, very insecure about that. I realize she's been cheated on and that makes you act weird. That's fine. I still don't think that she should have anyone else's social media passwords because I don't think she's responsible enough to handle them. And honestly, I don't. I don't ever want the passwords of people that I'm like dating or anyone really like keep your passwords to yourself. That's like too much power. (laughs) I don't need the ability to go look at what you're doing in your private messages. But Rachel got his password and she was reading this conversation between him and his ex-girlfriend, where basically what he said was like, I'm sorry for the way that I treated you. I really did love you. And now that I'm getting married, I can see, you know, I've grown so much and I'm just looking back on my life and I feel terrible about how I treated you. That was basically the tone of the conversation from what we heard. And Rachel is freaking out because he said that he loved her past tense when they were in a relationship like Rachel you are a grown woman with two children you have to be able to recognize that people have had relationships before you and that those relationships were meaningful it's not high school like it's easy in high school for people to be like oh none of my exes meant anything to me but when you're a full-grown adult you should have exes that you can say that you loved that's normal It would be bizarre if he was like, I've never loved anyone until Rachel. I never had any serious relationships until Rachel. 
that would be like a major red flag. So I don't know why she's so upset about this. She shouldn't have been reading the conversation. And maybe it's getting skewed a little bit. Maybe it was worse than he made it sound. But she didn't say, like he basically said, the rest of the conversation was about me marrying you. And she didn't say like, no, it wasn't. I saw you guys talking about meeting up. No, she was just like, I know, but you said you loved her. So... I'm over it. I'm over it with Rachel's insecurity. She needs to develop some confidence that comes from within so that she isn't relying on someone else to make her feel good about herself because that seems like why she is freaking out anytime John has any interaction with a woman, whether he used to have a relationship with them or not. It just seems like she's so jealous She's so jealous. I don't know how on earth she had a long distance relationship with someone because she just seems like she would not be able to handle that. Like, what if he what if his phone died? What's she going to do? Like, lose her mind? Anyway, so then John says, I broke someone's heart because I wanted to go and play with other girls. And, oh, yeah, so we do know how long it's been. She's been a friend for 18 years. 18 years. And Rachel is expecting him to not talk to her and not acknowledge that he used to love her. That's insane. That's a crazy person thing to do. You are new here. You are new in this man's life. And you have like the biggest part of it because he's asked you to marry him. You can't expect him to just completely blow off every other woman in his life. That's psychotic. And you guys know how I feel about John. I'm not a big fan of John. I don't trust him. But this thing that she's getting mad about is insane. So then they just start, so then I was like thinking about it and I really don't know what these two have in common apart from the karaoke apps. Like they're one of those couples that just talks about how much they're in love with each other and they don't really talk about anything else. And you see it so much on shows like this and shows like Catfish where these relationships are just kind of built on nothing, where they don't really know each other and all of a sudden they're in love. It's always, their conversations are always just like, I love you so much. I'm so happy you're here. I can't wait to be married. I can't wait for our life together. I can't believe you have to leave. I'm never going to stop crying when you go because you're my whole heart. You're my perfect soulmate angel. But it's like, do you guys watch the same movies? Do you like the same food? Like, do you, what do you like to do on Friday nights? Is it the same thing? I just don't really know if Rachel and John have anything in common aside from karaoke apps. We, they're one of those couples that like you almost never see them laugh. So I don't know. It's just weird. And I was very annoyed with Rachel this episode for being so uptight. Ugh, just chill. It's not an attractive quality to be so jealous and insecure. So now let's move on to Tariq and Hazel. They're talking about um, the resort where they stayed and they're joking around like, we have to come back after we know how to swim. I still just think it's so cute that neither of them know how to swim. And Tariq is like really, really happy. They're calling his daughter and no one is picking up. And Tariq like kind of moves away from Hazel on the bed. I didn't see it as him, like, trying to cut her out of the frame or anything. But then 
from that, we find out that Tariq didn't tell Rose, Arya's mom, about Hazel because they've had these custody battles in the past. And this makes total sense. And it makes me wonder, the fact that Hazel is so uncomfortable with this makes me wonder if the if family law is really different in Thailand. I would kind of imagine that it is. Um, because here, any little thing like that that can point to like, oh, this person isn't stable, this person isn't, you know... I don't know. The fact that he's jumping into a relationship with someone so much younger than him that doesn't live in the same country, you know, a lot of people could spin that to where it looks like it is a green card marriage. Someone could absolutely use that to try and get custody. And, you know, that he is going to another country and how many times is he going to go back to this country before they get married and all this kind of stuff can be used against him to reduce his visitation time. And I think that if Hazel really understood that, I don't think she would be as upset as she is about this. I think the way that she feels about it, she feels like he's keeping her secret because he's like ashamed of finding someone in another country or like maybe he still has something going on with his with his ex or with Arya's mom so this is another instance where it's too bad that they're I mean she speaks really fluent English but I still think there may be some cultural barriers to understanding what's going on and Tariq is just not that good at communicating what is going on in these situations like he's so likely to just be like well I don't want to because custody instead of really breaking down like here's what I'm afraid of this is why I don't want to do this um so yeah she's upset Hazel wants him to tell Rose about her which I think is stupid but it just seems like the situation is hard to explain and he says something super sad about how the people around him go crazy when they see him happy and that it just sounds like he has all of these people in his life that don't want him to be happy. His brother obviously like can't handle it and then his uh, Arya's mom apparently can't handle it. But I do wonder how true that actually is because... It's really easy to say that, but we have no idea what's been going on in his life and what other like crazy irresponsible things he's been doing. And I can't imagine if you were trying to co-parent with somebody and all of a sudden they were going to Thailand to marry a 25 year old. I think you probably would lose your mind a little bit because now someone you don't know who's incredibly young is going to be around your daughter who has special needs. I mean, she's he says she's very high functioning. She appears very high functioning, but that still is going to change the dynamic a little bit. And I guess I guess what I mean is that I think as a mom of a child with high functioning autism, you would be especially worried about the people that were going to be around your child in terms of like, are they going to understand how to deal with them, how to interact with them in a way where Arya is going to be comfortable or are they going to not understand and get frustrated and get mad? I think, I think those would be really reasonable concerns for Rose to be having if she were to find out about them. But she's not going to because Tariq is not going to tell her. <laughs> um, 
So now they're at this really pretty beachy dinner. Tariq is in a gingham tank top that I really appreciate. (laughs) And they're talking about their crazy family. And he's like, I have a crazy brother. And she's like, and I have a crazy sister. My And he's like, you have a crazy sister? And she's like, my sister in Japan messaged me today. And she said she really doesn't like you. And she wants me to marry a Japanese guy. <laughs> it's so weird. It's so weird that she's just like telling him this. I think she's just trying to put the pressure on and let him know that like she has options. And Tariq immediately starts acting so put out that the sister doesn't like him. He's like, she doesn't even know me, blah, 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 blah. When Dean said some of the most horrible things I've ever heard to Hazel, like a week ago, and just how quickly he forgets. Like, I don't know why he's, I mean, he's not really taking it out on Hazel, and I understand why he would be frustrated, but he should totally understand. It should be more of like an eye roll, like, uh, siblings, am I right? But he's acting like, what? I can't imagine why this would happen. Ridiculous. And apparently her sister says that he's not serious because Hazel told her sister that Tariq wouldn't introduce her to Rose. And so the sister, like, took that really seriously which honestly I do think if I didn't understand the custody situation if I didn't understand what family law is like in the U.S. and my sister told me that the person that she was seeing wouldn't introduce her to the mom of his child I would definitely react the same way also I totally understand her sister and I actually think it's kind of sweet that her sister's like come marry a Japanese guy because she wants her sister to live in the same country as her I would do the exact same thing and in fact I try to convince my sister to come live in Seattle like once a month at least and she gets so annoyed but yeah I'm not gonna stop I mean that's what you do when you're a sister so yeah and Tariq is like, why do you even care what she says? Which is insane because of course she cares what her sister says. But then (laughs) Hazel's like, maybe that guy is very rich in her like totally flat demeanor that she has. (laughs) And it made me laugh really hard. And um, so Tariq is like, do you want to be with me? Yada, yada. And she says, yes, I want to stay with you. And Tariq says, that is so far from outer space that I don't know what to do. And she says, maybe you marry me, (laughs) which I thought was a great response. It's a great way to respond to a difficulty in a relationship. Just get married. And Tariq says he doesn't react well to being backed in a corner, which is crazy. Like, I get it. I get it. Nobody wants to feel like they're being pressured to do something. But I think it's a little bit different when you are being pressured to do something that you were already planning on doing. Then I feel like he should just be like pumped because he knows she's going to say yes. Like, I don't know why he keeps being weird when she brings up marriage and being like, oh, I don't know. Yes, you do. You brought a ring. I don't understand. I don't understand him. He's getting exactly what he wanted. And he's like, ugh, that that was off-putting. Like, get over it, Tariq. So he's still confused about the guy in Japan. That would be a little weird. But I think, I don't know. I don't think Hazel's really like a gold digger. I think she was just saying like, hey, if you're not going to marry me, I will go marry some rich guy in Japan so I can hang out with my sister 
just so you know, if you aren't serious, you should get out now. That was my take on it. Not like an on thesis style, like I want money. But I don't know, maybe when she gets to the States, she really will turn out to be a little on FISA. So he's like asking her, do you love me for real? And like, he's saying that he just needs to know if there's any truth to the craziness about the Japanese guy. And he says he's wondering if the universe is trying to tell him something because all of this crazy stuff keeps happening. And it like, is the universe trying to tell me that I should wait? Probably. Probably because as much as I support this relationship, it's insane to in, to get engaged to someone who you just met. So yeah, probably the universe is trying to tell you to pump the brakes and wait for the families to get used to the idea before you get married. But not going to happen because he plays her. They're walking on the beach and he's like, I made you a song. And then he plays it. And I'm sorry, I was laughing really hard. That's my nightmare. That's my literal nightmare. I hate, hate, hate being serenaded. I have dated musicians. I hate it more than anything in the world because what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do with your face when you're listening to someone play a song for you? It just makes me so uncomfortable because it's like there's no reaction that is going to be big enough to make them not feel self-conscious you know like it's just oof oof it hurts me but she yeah she's like really confused about the rap and it was pretty good I I, I thought it was all right for being like Tariq raps I think it was it wasn't like radio quality but it wasn't an embarrassing song for sure and then She's like, I cannot believe that Tariq wrote, a, wrote this song about me. Yes, I like it. <laughs> Just no expression at all. To the point where it almost feels like the producers are like telling her. Just say it with a completely straight face. So then Tariq proposes and she says, hmm? And I know a lot of people are probably thinking that it looked like she like wasn't into it. But she's just super reserved. And she was like, I don't know how to explain it, but she was doing that thing where she was like shaking her hands, trying not to cry. I just hit my mic doing it because obviously this pantomime is really going to help you guys know what I'm talking about. I'm trying to think of how to describe it, though. Like you're almost like flinging water off your hands and you're like, like trying to keep yourself together. Um, So I thought she was actually pretty emotional and she like she wasn't answering him right up off the bat. But that's really her way. And she does say she didn't expect him to ask on this trip. So she probably was just like super shocked and really trying to process and decide if this is something she wants to do. But then she does say yes. So they're getting married. Hooray! Tariq and Hazel for life. And he said when she said yes, it felt like completion. And I'm really, really immature so that made me laugh. <laughs> Sorry, guys. You can't say stuff like that. You can't say innuendo on a show like 90 Day Fiance and expect me not to laugh. Okay. Now I'm going to talk about Darcy and Jesse. The big breakup. The breakup we've all been waiting for. A little, I was a little underwhelmed by this breakup. More than anything, I couldn't 
enjoy it because of where TLC put it in the show. This is the thing that I'm the most livid about. I am livid that they would do this. They put that scene with Karini and Paul that I'm going to talk about later, but that was obviously very, very dark, very real, very serious. They put that in there and then they close it out with Darcy and Jesse break I'm so upset that I can't even speak. They close the show out with Darcy and Jesse breaking up as though that's the most intense thing that happened on the show. And I thought it was so disrespectful to Karini and Paul and her family that they would not at least... Okay, so if you're going to show that disturbing footage that they did not have to show, they really didn't have to show that. If you're going to do that, you better do it at the end of the show and end the show on a serious note with some kind of like, you know in memory of their baby that that wasn't born or whatever. If you're not going to take it seriously, then don't put it on the freaking show and don't follow it up with the most ridiculous fake couple in the universe and their dumb, stupid breakup that we've all been waiting for for weeks. Like, we knew what was going to happen with this couple. They should have put the Darcy and Jesse breakup first and then closed out with Paul and Carini. And they should have put the viewer discretion right before the Paul and Carini segment. Because as a viewer of this show, there's no way to know what they're going to show. You don't know if it's going to be domestic violence related. You don't know if it's going to... I mean, it could have been anything. That viewer discretion could have been about anything. Somebody could have just gotten hurt. There could have been a ton of blood. I mean, TLC will put those discretion advisories on stuff all the time. So they didn't do any sort of like overview of what the content was going to be. They threw it in in the middle of the episode like it was nothing. And I'm beyond livid about it. I'm furious, honestly. I was like so mad and I had a friend coming over to hang out right after I watched the show and they came over and had to listen to me rant about it for like 15 minutes because I was so upset it's just it's insane but I'll get more into that in the Paul and Carini segment obviously it's it has a lot more to do with them than it does with Darcy and Jesse but it did definitely affect the way that I watched this breakup because I was still shaken from what I had seen in the previous scene And I wasn't as interested in watching their breakup. I mean, from the most like heartless perspective. So like taking on the perspective of a heartless TLC producer who doesn't care at all about Karini or family or any of that. It's not entertaining as a viewer to get emotional whiplash like that. To go from something that's actually serious, that's actually like deep real life emotion to some light, fluffy, stupid argument. It just, I couldn't get into the breakup. And that was really upsetting because as you know, I've been waiting for this breakup for a long, long time and I was really excited about it and they ruined it for me. But that's definitely not the most important part of why I'm upset. I'm upset because I felt like they were so disrespectful to Karini. So now let's get into their stupid breakup. So he didn't meet up with her before the breakup was supposed to happen. I was really surprised that he didn't try to sleep with her before dumping her because that just seems like something that Jesse would do. And he's going on and on about how she got caught up in something. I still didn't know at this point what it was. So I was like, drugs? Because I don't know. And it's probably a language barrier thing. But to say you got caught up in something, that to me either sounds like a gang 
drugs, prostitution, like those, those are the only things where I would ever say like you got caught up in drugs. I would never say you got caught up in fighting with your sister, but I'm sure it's a language thing and I'm getting way too into the semantics. So then he's getting ready and they, I realized they really are perfect for each other because they're both wearing those big dumb furry coats and I realize it's cold. They were talking later about how cold it is, but both of them just had on these like high fashion fluffy coats and I thought it's, it's really too bad that you can't work it out. But now we're looking back to Darcy and she just seems so back and forth. Like she really doesn't know what's going to happen. She, cause now she's saying she feels separate from him and she doesn't know where they, she stands because they haven't had enough time together. And for some reason she's like already crying. I couldn't figure out why she was already crying. And I guess we get a little clarity on that from the 90 day fiance live, which I think I'm going to do a little bonus episode on. Probably that will come out tomorrow if I'm able to do it. I have some schoolwork to do, but so much came out in that that I think it would be good to do just like a little 20-minute episode going over all of it. Um, so yeah, she's already crying. She's talking about listening to her gut now. Like she's finally ready to listen to her gut. I don't know why she hasn't been doing that this whole time, but okay, proud of you. So now we're on to the stuff that happened after, right after the stuff with Karini and Paul. So Jesse walks up and he says, hey, baby, hello, how are you? And she's like, I didn't know how long I was staying, so I just brought the bag. So this is an, this is a place where Darcy does not do herself any favors. Obviously, she wanted this relationship to work and she just, she clearly doesn't get what he wants from her. They're just not compatible, but if she wanted to try and make him stay with her, bringing a giant suitcase full of shoes is not the way to do it because he already gives her so much crap about all the makeup she wears and all the stuff that she brought with her and like all that kind of stuff. So I don't know why she chose to like bring a giant, giant bag of stuff with her. I don't think that is going to make him want to stay with her anymore. So then she's like, your eyes look amazing. And he's like, thank you. Yours too. (laughs) You can just tell he's like totally shut down behind the eyes. And it really, it is hard to break up with people. I mean, I don't feel bad for Jesse, but it did just remind me of, you know, when you know that you're going to dump somebody, but you haven't decided exactly when you're going to start that conversation yet. Or even just like in the moments before, it's so awkward when you know that it's over, but the other person doesn't. But that's why you shouldn't blindside people. So the exchange is like really awkward and she can clearly tell that something is off because she's giving him the face that Kelly Ben Simone was giving everyone on Scary Island. That is an that is a vintage Real Housewives of New York reference. If there's anyone listening to this show who has not watched that season of Real Housewives where Scary Island happens, you have to go back now. I would recommend starting from season one, episode one. Real Housewives of New York is the best thing on television and has been for years. So you really need to catch up. But there was this one moment on Scary Island where Kelly Ben Simone made this face where she like, it's like she pushed her head back and like squinted up her nose and like looked really confused, but like confused like a 
Not like an adult person looks confused. Maybe like, I don't know. She was just so not aware of where her face was in that moment. And I think she was really like drunk and probably on drugs. But um, Darcy was making that same face. Like her like chin was like pulled way back. So she was kind of giving herself a double chin and she was like, crinkled up her nose and had on like this weird confused face I don't know how to describe it other than to say that it was Kelly Ben Simone from Scary Island but she's like I just came here for you did you come here for me I'm not quite sure and then he says actually I want to talk about our relationship I don't want any drama any turmoil and they and they're like playing voiceovers it was the most scripted thing in the world because she's like what are you talking about and he's like how many days do you have to go to jail now so now we know darcy might be going to jail and this is when it comes out that darcy got arrested for hitting her sister oh my gosh it's crazy this show is so much more fun if you don't read the tabloids and the stuff on the internet because every there are shockers left and right if you are not paying enough attention to the news so yeah i guess darcy got arrested for hitting her sister and then she says he's trying to make things a problem that aren't a problem my sister and i got in a fight that spiraled out of control but we're good now So, yeah, I don't, I mean, I can understand why Jessie doesn't want to be with a grown woman that gets arrested for hitting her sister. That definitely does indicate, like, potentially an alcohol problem if there was drinking involved. Also, I just don't, I just don't understand. Because then in 90 Day Fiance Live, her sister was like, yeah, it was just a little thing. We calmed down. We're just sisters doing sister stuff. But, like, who called the police? You know, I don't know. I fight with my sister, but it would never, never get physical. And if it if it did, like if my sister pushed me or something or like slapped me, I wouldn't call the police. So I feel like it must have been kind of scary. Maybe Darcy has some secret dark side that we haven't really seen. Maybe that shoe incident was like way worse than I thought it was. I don't know. Um, She's like, I wish I'd never gotten on that plane from Connecticut or train. I don't know. Anyway. And he's like, I want to get away from her because she's next level crazy. She's like, you came here for your own purpose. Can you guys drop my bag off at the hotel, please? And she like gets out of the cab. Well, I'm confused because if they're in the middle of breaking up, I don't know why she doesn't just go home. I mean, Connecticut and New York are like not that far from each other I feel like she could probably go home and I'm confused about like are they staying in the same hotel room or does she just have a separate hotel room I don't know I just thought it was weird that she was like take my bags to the hotel because it had this vibe of like I'll see you later I don't know it was confusing for me I'm sure they'll get back together whatever although 90 day fiance live it looks like this is the real deal and they aren't thank god So she just gets out of the car. They're like in the middle of the street, basically. I mean, they were on the curb, but she's just like hopping out, not at their destination at all. And he's like, get some therapy, girl, (laughs) which I love. That's my new catchphrase because it's true. She should have therapy and so should he. Everyone should. It's very good for you. Therapy is good for you. It's like taking vitamins. Just do it. So then 
she's like, unbelievable. I can't believe I came here for this. You don't love me. You're just a liar. Stay out of my life. I laughed so hard. I literally laughed out loud. And I don't laugh out loud very often at TV shows. I was cracking up at her screaming at him in that tone. We've never heard that tone from her before. It was so scary. (laughs) She was like losing it. She was losing it. And I think behind the scenes, the reason that she's so mad is because she probably didn't want her arrest on TV. And she probably recognizes that he just came to get a trip back to the U.S. and to put it out there in the public that she got arrested for this, like to make sure that it made it onto the show that she got arrested. And that is really like shitty of him. He should have just left her alone. He should have dumped her by text, but ooh, man, yeah, she went nuts. She lost it. <laughs> Can't wait to see what happens next week. I want to see the end of this breakup so bad, especially if she's going to keep yelling in that tone of voice. But for now, I'll talk about Angela and Michael. So we start off and Angela's complaining about going up the stairs to this rock and I really would like for someone to make a YouTube video comparing Angela and Nicole's journeys because I think they're really, really similar. You could have the side-by-side of them going up steep hills and complaining about it. You could have the modesty thing where they don't want to cover up. You could have the thing of them eating food that they don't like and saying that they only like hamburgers and french fries. You could have the scene of them accusing the person of cheating. Like, their stories are so parallel. So parallel. But yeah, they get up to the rock and Angela says she wants to live on the rock now because she can't handle going down the stairs. And they start genuinely laughing. We see them actually laugh with each other because they're talking about what happened on the rock. And he was like, they would do everything here. They lived here. They cooked here. And she's like, sex. And then they just start cracking up about Angela saying sex, which was surprising and funny. And... He calls her a strong woman and he's like laughing and she looked really pissed. So I was confused by that. I don't know if there was some like underlying meaning of him calling her big by saying that she was strong or if she thought that he was being sarcastic because he was laughing. I don't know. It was confusing. And... So they start talking about getting married and she's worried that they're incompatible. She's like, I feel there's a disconnection. And she says, I I love you with all my heart. You've changed my life in a lot of ways and I thank you for that. In what ways has he changed her life? They don't even know each other. How could he possibly have changed her life? You've given me someone to text in the middle of the night and you've talked to me sometimes when you're not out hunting for other girls and I got to come to Nigeria, a place that I judge and would never come back to and you got me to quit smoking or at least tell you that I quit smoking. I just don't see how he's changed her life. And she's like, it's not easy. I really don't know where I'm at. It don't mean I don't trust him not being a scammer. It means I don't trust him with my heart. (laughs) Okay. Again, I don't ever know what she's talking about, really. (laughs) But she was like, so it doesn't mean, 
Okay, I think she was saying, when I say I don't trust him, I don't mean that I think that he's a scammer. I just mean that I don't know if I trust him with my heart. So there's the English translation. She's like, I love him, but he repeatedly does stuff over and over that I don't like. <laughs> it just seems like that's the definition of not loving someone. When the things that they do drive you crazy, like, what do you love about him? Again, she doesn't know this person. Like, if you're, if you've been married and then, and there are little things that start to grate on you or whatever, or if you like have a really strong bond with somebody and they just have some quirks that bug you, but she has neither. She has no relationship with this man and everything that he does annoys her and she loves him still, I guess. And then she says, Maybe if I get a K-1 and bring him over there, then things will be different. I don't know how people can get to adulthood believing that they can change a situation, like that they can change the dynamic of a relationship by being closer together. That's never going to make it better. I mean, maybe if it's like, if the issue is like jealousy or something, no, not even then. I don't know what I'm talking about. No, you're never going to make a relationship better by forcing people to spend more time together. I can't think, I mean, again, unless you have a really strong bond and things have grown distant and then you manage to get some like special time together to rebuild your bond. They don't have a bond to rebuild. They don't like each other. They irritate each other. He does stuff all the time that she doesn't like, and she does stuff all the time that he doesn't like. I don't know why she wants to bring him to America. I don't get it. She's drinking out of a curly straw, by the way, and it made my day. It absolutely made my day to watch Angela drink through that curly straw. She's like, I want to make a rational decision here. Good luck, lady. I don't think you have a lot of rational sense to work with, but I hope that works for you. So now we're moving on to a different segment with Angela and Michael. And this, this is where TLC chose to put in the viewer discretion. So I was watching this entire segment with them being like, what on earth is going to happen? And that's exactly what TLC wanted to happen. And that's not the purpose of viewer discretion warnings. They are not to like build hype and make people wonder what's going to happen. They're intended to help people not watch stuff that they don't want to watch but the way that TLC did it I feel like it would have been a little bit difficult to avoid seeing the stuff that actually deserved the viewer discretion advisory so Angela and Michael are now sitting together again and she's like I haven't made up my mind because we've had dishonesty from the start of our relationship and he's like with all the trips spending time with you I'm learning and then she's like, tell me one of the things that I don't like, Michael. <laughs> like, if you're learning so much, then tell me one thing I don't like. If he couldn't tell her one thing that she didn't like, that would be crazy. But he's like, you don't like lying. And then she tells him, it's going to be boring, Michael. And I thought this was a great point. And I was glad that she actually talked to him about this because in the real 90 Day Fiance, we see this all the time where they come from these like places where there's like a lot going on or they go clubbing a lot. I mean, what comes to mind is Molly and Luis because Luis worked at a resort. I'm sure that he was just partying all the time. And then 
they get to America and they're like, oh, we live in the suburbs now. I think it happened a little bit with, um, I wanted to say David and Annie. It's not David and Annie, although a little bit, but um, the couple, Elizabeth maybe? No. Oh my God, there are so many couples on this show. But there was the really religious couple where the girl was a singer in her family's like Christian band and the guy came from Spain and he was really weird about sex and they were both really religious and they got married and I can't remember their names, but it happened with him too where he was like, I do not want to live in Connecticut for my whole life. And she was like, well, you have to. So, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I thought it was good that Angela was like having this conversation with Michael ahead of time and saying, it's going to be boring. You're not going to have fun like you have here. You're not going to be able to go out all the time. The most exciting thing for me is when I'm running late to work. She didn't say exciting, but she was like, the most I ever rush is when I'm running late to work. There's no like hustle and bustle. So I thought that was good. She's like, I'm not sure yet, but I think we're going to argue <laughs> and he says, I know what you've gone through and I would never want to do that to you. We haven't really heard what she's gone through, but I do bet that she has some messed up relationship history. And she says, I better not be making a mistake, Michael. I love you. I know you love me. I can see it in your eye. I don't know what she's seeing in his eye. I think it is the glimmer of the hope of meeting Donald Trump, who he is so enamored with. I do not think that he loves her. <laughs> I don't know where she's getting that. But okay, sure, he loves her. So then she hands him something. And he says, what is this? And she says, that's the American flag, Michael. That means you're going to America. And he's so excited. He's It's like the best day of his life. And so this makes me think that they have some kind of arrangement and that they know that it's not like the way that she proposed to him. She proposed to him with an American flag. She knows he just wants to come to the States. So then I don't understand what the cheating stuff is about, like why she's so upset about that, because it seems right now like they have some kind of arrangement and that... They know that they're just getting married so that he can go to the States. Whatever. So and she's like, you don't have to shake me to death, Michael. And he's like, USA, here I come. Donald Trump, I'm coming to see you. And I really hope that Donald Trump saw that clip. I would love for Michael to be on the next round of Apprentice if The Apprentice comes back after this whole presidency thing is over. I mean, ultimately... I don't want The Apprentice to come back. But in like a dream sequence kind of way, you know, if you just imagine it for a second, it would be incredible to see Michael on The Apprentice, like calling all of his thousands of followers on or whatever, the women that he follows on Instagram and being like, can you give me $10? I need $10 right now for this challenge. <laughs> like, it would just be great. So... He says, I also have something for you. And he does his own proposal. And that actually was pretty sweet because I thought, I don't know, I thought it was sweet that they both proposed to each other and that they had both been planning on it, even though we know that it's a sham and they aren't really in love. She's like, why didn't you give it to me before, Michael? I don't know why she said that. Why would he have given it to her before? I don't know. It was weird. So 
I just think they're a weirdo couple. They were just like on the ground of a restaurant making out. <laughs> so good. I'm glad that they're going to be happy. Again, just thinking about Darcy. I dropped my mic again, guys. I'm not doing too well with the tech today. But um, I was just thinking about how pissed Darcy must be to see all these different couples getting engaged on the day that she on the episode where she and Jesse break up. I bet she was livid. <laughs> so now I'm going to talk about Karini and Paul. And I will put in the show notes how far ahead you need to skip if you don't want to hear me talk about this. It was really, really dark. So I don't blame anyone who doesn't want to watch it. I Yeah, I'll put in the show notes where this portion starts and ends so that you know where to go. Um, so Karini still wants a divorce. Paul's trying to change her mind. So at first I was really happy for Karini and I was feeling really positive about the fact that, you know, she, it seems like she has such a strong support system that she really doesn't need Paul and that she was totally comfortable telling him to get out of her life and leave her alone considering how he's been acting. Like even if they have a baby, it seemed like she didn't care. And then she does take backsies and she changes her mind and she takes him back pretty much. She's like, I'll give you another chance. But I mean, I guess at least she still has doubts, unlike most of the people on this show who will just take back anyone no matter what they do. <laughs> um, so... Paul's really relieved and happy that she decided to give him a second chance. I'm not relieved and happy. I'm upset. But yeah, so now we're going on to the section where the viewer discretion stuff happens. So we find out that yesterday Karini had an ultrasound and the doctors told them that the baby had some more abnormalities. And they're talking about how they just want the baby to be okay. And Paul, at this point, is talking about how uncomfortable he is being in the room with Karini's mom because Karini's mom hasn't forgiven him. She still sees him as a bad guy. But we find out that Karini's been having cramps and she was really nauseous. And they're doing another ultrasound now. And I put in my notes at this point as I was watching that I really hope that she doesn't miscarry. And I had seen pictures of her pregnant on the internet, but I was like commenting that like maybe it's a second pregnancy. And this was so sad because they show... Ugh, it like gets me choked up. It was so sad because they show the screen next to the hospital bed where the ultrasound is showing and they show the little the little baby and it doesn't look okay like you can tell immediately I could tell immediately that something was wrong because it wasn't moving and usually you can see the heartbeat and you couldn't see any of that um it was just really still and I think that was how you could tell right off the bat that something was wrong She's nine weeks pregnant and she's having a miscarriage. It was one of, it's one of the saddest things I've seen on TV. I can't believe that they put that on the show. It was so dark and there are so many women that go through things similar to that. And 
I felt terrible for people watching the show, just turning it on, not really knowing what they're going to find or, you know, kind of like me going into it, I was thinking they're surely they're not going to show her have a miscarriage, but they did. And that's one of the things that scares me a little bit about reality TV is that they're always pushing these boundaries and they're always trying to show something crazier than they've ever shown before. And I really wonder how long it's going to be before we see a person die on TV. Um, I think it's really probably going to happen at some point. Um, But yeah, so right now we're dealing with this and they're explaining to her what happened and that the umbilical cord doesn't have any blood going through it and that the baby is gone And then the doctor just so cavalierly says like, okay, the exam is over. You can get up, please. And it's just like, okay, you're done. Like there's no emotional support for her. And it's just, I feel so terrible for her. And I felt awful for Paul because they didn't have an interpreter in the room. So he had no idea what was going on. I think they maybe thought that it was just going to be something minor. I don't think they knew going into it that it was going to be that serious. So we're seeing them, we see Paul realize that the baby died. We see Karini realize that the baby died. And he's asking what happened and if they did anything wrong. And they say it was a genetic deformity, so it was basically inevitable. And that is so loaded too because it's like, well, if it's a genetic deformity, what if it happens again? And I just can't imagine how hard that would be to go through. And we find out that Karini has to be in the hospital for two days to have surgery to deal with the miscarriage. Um, So yeah, as I was watching this, I was getting choked up. I was really, really emotional. I was heartbroken for them. And I was furious that TLC would put this on TV, just put it in the middle of an episode I just don't understand. I really don't understand why they would do that. Why they couldn't just say, you know, that she had a miscarriage. And that's really all I have to say about that. It was terrible and sad. And I'm going to try and end on a lighter note because I don't want to just end this on in a serious way, especially, you know, last episode I had to talk about that whole incident. We started off serious. Now we have this really really serious stuff going on and it's hard I want this to be fun I want it to be a fun podcast and not be so like deep and serious all the time but I can't really help it if that's what they're putting on tv but we will shift into Ricky and Jimena and I will try and cheer myself up talking about them so Ricky's talking about how he's going to tell his daughter about Jimena when he gets back and I just feel so bad for his daughter I mean She's only 12. That's like, she's getting older. So she knows what's up a little bit more, but like she's 12 and she has to hear about how her dad went to another country to marry one woman and is coming back engaged to another woman. That's so unhealthy. That's such a bad influence on her. And like, what does that teach her about women, about how her dad feels about women or about how she should be treated? Because he's basically just like, acting like 
any woman can substitute for another woman. All he needs is just a woman, you know, and that is really, I have a feeling that is going to subconsciously really impact the way that his daughter feels about herself and values herself in her future relationships. So Ricky needs to chill on that. Jimena is going to make Ricky prove himself to her. And I really wish that we could see Jimena's family and friends. I really want to see her in her element. She reminds me a little bit of Paula, of Paolo and Paula and Russ. Um, she's just got this sassy side and we don't really see it come out too terribly much in the show because she's always only ever hanging out with Ricky. But I think if we saw her with her friends and stuff, she would probably be really funny and fun. So she makes him swim, even though he doesn't know how. And she says she doesn't care that he's probably going to drown. She just, like, doesn't care at all. That's why I love her. I really love her. But also, speaking of things that irritated me about TLC, this was probably, like, three feet of water. And they're acting like this was a near-death experience. So anyway. Also, I was, I'm just surprised by the number of people on this show that don't know how to swim. There are quite a few. So he jumps in the water. He's freaking out. He jumps in the water. And then it was so anticlimactic. He just jumped in the water, immediately grabbed onto the ladder and climbed back out. It was like watching a little kid jump off a diving board. Like, okay. Wow. Super impressive. (laughs) I don't know. What was that about? Why did they do that? It was so dumb and lame. They should have made him flounder a little bit. Ugh. (laughs) Anyway. And she's like, the truth is, I felt a little bad because he almost drowned. He didn't almost drown. I don't want to pretend that he almost drowned. He literally didn't. He was fine. He probably could have stood up in the water and it would have been like chest deep. They would not put him in a situation where he was going to almost die. But anyway, Ricky's wearing a fanny pack and swim trunks. And he's like, she's definitely wife material. To which I said, are you husband material, Ricky? I'm still just not a fan of, I don't know. Ricky has really started to bother me. So then he's getting ready for their evening together. We get to watch him put deodorant on and put water in his hair. Ugh, didn't need that. And then he's like, I got in that water and barely made it out alive. And I said, so help me. If we keep acting like jumping in that water was a near-death experience, I'm going to lose my mind. He wasn't even like, he didn't even like flap his arms one time. He jumped in and immediately reached out and grabbed the ladder. He was fine. He was not ever drowning. He was fine. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So yeah, he's getting ready to propose. He's acting so nervous, but he's already proposed so many times in his life. I don't know why he's still nervous. He should be used to it by now. And he's talking about how he's worried that it's too soon. It's obviously too soon because he's not even divorced yet. So they're sitting on this floating dock thing and it was pretty. It was kind of hard to tell if the dock was moving or if the water was just moving around the dock. But it was like really, it was really scenic. Very beautiful. And then I noticed that he did something super weird to his mustache. Like he kept his mustache, but he shaved this little patch right under his nose. So his mustache was like wide on the sides and then skinny on the front. And it basically just made like a straight line on his upper lip. 
I don't know. I'll put, I'll try and make a picture of that, the episode picture, so you guys can see what I'm talking about. I was not a fan, and I don't know why he did it, because I don't think he's done that before. It was weird. So then he asks her to take a picture, and it was sweet, because he gets down on one knee, and, you know... I was just thinking, like, if it wasn't for the Melissa thing, this would be a really, really sweet proposal, and I would be all about it, but the Melissa thing just really tarnished this whole relationship in my eyes, and it's hard for me to get used to it. I don't know. He brings up Melissa in the proposal speech. He's like, there's a reason I told you the thing about Melissa. Don't bring up Melissa when you are proposing to someone else. It's so crazy. Like, what? Also, I thought he should have proposed in Spanish. Just a little thing, but that would have been really sweet because that's her language and then she wouldn't have had to be like translating it in her head as he was saying it. But we know he's not that good at Spanish, so I guess that would have been too hard for him. And then he's sobbing, sobbing, sobbing about how happy he is. And I put in my notes that he's emotionally imbalanced, but I need to really explain that. I don't think that Ricky is emotionally imbalanced because he's crying. I think it's great for men to cry. I think they should cry all the time. Um, what makes me think that he's emotionally imbalanced is that, what, two weeks ago? Whenever it was that he came down to Columbia, he was planning on marrying someone else. He is still married to his ex-wife and now he is engaged to a new person and he's like sobbing about how happy he is. Like, Ricky really needs to examine why it's so important to him to be married, why it's so important to him to have a serious relationship, because it doesn't seem like it's person-specific. It doesn't seem like he cares if it's Jimena or Melissa or some other woman that he meets on the street. It seems like he's just really uncomfortable with the idea of being alone or being a divorcee. I think... I wonder if part of it is that he's embarrassed about getting divorced again and so he wants to be married right away so that it like, I guess, would, so that he doesn't have to call himself a divorcee so that he can be like, oh, yeah, I got divorced, but now I have this great new thing. I don't know. Ricky just needs a therapist so bad, maybe more than anyone else on this show other than probably, I don't know, Darcy and Jesse could also use one. No, they all need one. Everyone needs one. Get a therapist. Try Talkspace. They're not an advertiser for this show, so I don't really know anything about them. But I guess it's therapy on the go. That seems cool. So, yeah, that brings us to the end of this episode. Like I said, I'm probably going to do a little mini ep on the 90 Day Fiance Live. I have a ton of reading to do for school, so I kind of have to do that first. I'm super upset about that. I wish that I could just lay here and record podcasts all day. If I wasn't in law school right now, I would also be doing an unexpected podcast. And I'm so upset that I can't because I love that show so much. So yeah, if there's ever a gap and if it ever works out timing wise, I would love to to uh, talk about unexpected as well because man, that show's good. But for now, we'll stick to 90 Day Fiance. I'll try and get my recording schedule worked out a little bit more. The reason that I didn't release this podcast yesterday is because my freaking neighbors were blasting their music so loud that I couldn't hear myself think. And you would have been able to hear it on the recording. And I wanted to spare you the uh, bumping of Sexy Back by Justin Timberlake in the background of this recording.
my life. Okay. Anyway, I hope that you all have a really great week. I hope that next week TLC doesn't disappoint me so much. And I will talk to you later. Please, oh yeah, please keep those rates and reviews coming. I really, really appreciate them. Okay, bye. (laughs)